0: Well, welcome to each one of you, and we are definitely glad that you are worshiping online with us. I hope that you've had a wonderful week, and we pray that this week ahead would be even better. And so thank you for joining us. Well, would you turn in your Bibles to Genesis chapter 19? I'm sorry, Genesis 25. We're starting at verse 19. Genesis chapter 25. And starting from verse 19, we'll read to verse 26. <clears throat> this is the account of the family of Isaac, the son of Abraham. When Isaac was 40 years old, he married Rebekah, the daughter of Bethuel, the Aramin from Paran Aram and the sister of Laban the Aramean. Isaac pleaded with the Lord on behalf of his wife because she was unable to have children. The Lord answered Isaac's prayer, and Rebekah became pregnant with twins. But the two children struggled with each other in her womb. So she went to, the, to ask the Lord about it. Why is this happening to me, she asked. And the Lord told her, the sons in your womb will become two nations, from the very beginning, the two nations will be rivals. One nation will be stronger than the other, and the, your older son will serve your younger son. And when the time came to give birth, Rebecca discovered that she did indeed have twins. The first one was very red at birth, and covered with thick hair like a fur coat. So they named him Esau. Then the other twin was born, with his hand grasping Esau's heel. So they named him Jacob. Isaac was 60 years old when the twins were born. Let us pray. Father, indeed, we thank you for this time that we can worship together online. And Lord, we thank you for this opportunity to dive into your word together. May you open up our hearts and our minds to hear from you. And truly, we pray that your Holy Spirit would speak to us and that indeed you would help us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen amen. In this passage of scripture, we see two twins, Jacob and Esau. Now, they were the sons of Isaac and Rebekah, and the grandsons of Abraham and Sarah. Now, we, we probably have heard a lot about them over the years, but Jacob and Esau didn't come very easily, and they didn't come very quickly in Isaac and Rebekah's life. In fact, right at the very beginning, in verse 20, we're told Isaac was 40 years old when he married Rebekah. And then we're told in verse 26 that Isaac was 60 years old when the twins were born. So this happened later on in his life. It happened at an older age. So you may be wondering, what is the significance of this to us? right? What's the significance? Well, the significance is it tells us it's okay to get married and accomplish things later on in life. It's okay to get married and accomplish things that we've hoped for and dreamed of later on in our life. Now, The older that I get, the younger that 40 starts to look to me, right? When I was younger, 40, you're so old. But being in my early 30s, the the older I get, the the younger 40 is, right? I still feel sometimes like I'm a kid, so, you know, it's really not that old. But in those days... For someone to be unmarried, and especially not have children by that age, it was frowned upon. It was looked down upon, and it was almost as if people thought something must be wrong with you. That you're not married, you don't have your family established, you don't have kids, and that was the way they thought. Unfortunately today, some people feel that way too. Some people have that view as well, that if you're not done school, if you're not married, if you're not settled in your career, if you don't have children, if you don't get your your own place by a certain age, then something must be wrong with you. That there, there must be some sort of a thing wrong with you. And sometimes we can put pressure on ourselves and on other people unnecessarily because of the expectations we may have or we think that they should be at in their life. Just because you accomplish things at a certain age or you got things at a certain age doesn't mean that someone else should have the same as well because their timeline can be a lot different. Their plan and God's plan for them may be completely different than it is for you. And so, I know that many of you mean well, and many of you lovingly want the best for other people, but I'm gonna tell you this very lovingly. Stop putting pressure on other people to get married. Stop putting pressure on other people to have children. Stop putting pressure on other people to fulfill certain things that you think that they should fulfill. Because as someone who recently is married in my early 30s, I can tell you that I knew that many people were praying for me. They loved me. They encouraged me. They wanted me to find the best person possible. And I appreciated that. But on the other hand, there were times where I felt pressure from other people, and some being my own family members, to get married. Because you're getting older. The clock's ticking, right? What are you waiting for sort of thing? And so uh, I found my husband and we got married and it's not because I felt pressured. So I want to make sure you understand that. It's because I truly love him and I know that he was the right person for me. But it is possible for people to get married or to do certain things in their life because of pressure they feel from other people. Because they feel they need to do this by a certain age with someone that they may not even know well enough. You see, it's important for us not to put pressure on other people. And from the limited amount of wisdom I have, let me tell you what I've learned from observing other people. Marrying the wrong person can make you wish you were single and it also can ruin your life in certain ways. It is very important that we don't put pressure on ourselves and put pressure on other people, especially when it comes to that. It's important that you allow them time and you allow yourself time to get to know the person, to make sure that this is the person that God has for you and not just rush into something that later on you might regret. It's important that we marry the person for the right reasons, not because we feel pressure. Isaac was 40 years old when he got married. He was 60 years old when he had twin boys. Good things can still happen later on in life. It's okay if you are not married, if you don't have children, if you're not settled in your career, if things are not perfect in your life by a certain age, things can still happen. Now I want you to understand that I'm not making this point because of anything anyone has ever said to me but I understand what that feels like to feel that pressure, to feel as if something may be wrong. Why aren't I married by a certain age? Why isn't that, you know, happening to me? But this doesn't only just apply to marriage or remarriage. This point applies to many other areas in our life. You are not too old to have kids. You are not too old to go back to school. You are not too old to change career paths. You're not too old to start over or to start the business that you've been wanting to start. You are not too old to fulfill the dreams that you've had for many years. You're not too old. Good things can still happen later on in your life. If you're still waiting, don't lose hope. God is still in control, he's still working, and good things can still come. Isaac and Rebecca were in love. They loved each other, they got married when they did, but now the problem was she was not able to have children. She was unable to have children. Isaac refused to accept that his wife would not be able to have children, so it tells us that he pleaded with the Lord on behalf of his wife. The Lord answered Isaac's prayer, and Rebekah became pregnant with twins. Sometimes we may need to plead with the Lord for someone else's need. Sometimes we are the ones who may need to go to God over and over again and petition him and to beg him and plead him to answer someone else's need, that may be what we need to do. And when I'm talking about pleading, understand that it is beyond a simple prayer. And this is not begging God, but it's earnestly seeking him and asking him with intent that he is going to move, that he's going to answer him. You see, when we talk about pleading here, it's petitioning him, it's earnestly seeking him, and that includes fasting, that includes asking other believers to join you in intense prayer, to join you in going to God over and over again, and not giving up, praying until we get an answer from him. This doesn't guarantee that our prayer will always be answered the way that we hope and the way that we feel that it should, but it does demonstrate a strong faith in God. It demonstrates the faith that we have in God because without faith, it is impossible to please God. In Philippians chapter four, verses six and seven, it tells us, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. What that simply means is that we are not to worry about things that happen in our life, that we don't need to worry about this and that and everything that's going on, but instead we are to go to God and to present our needs, to pray, to petition Him over and over again, and to thank Him. In advance for what he's going to do by prayer and petition with thanksgiving present our needs to God you know when things happen in our life you may have noticed that sometimes if things happen in your own life or in the life of your family it can almost seem like this is the biggest thing in the world it is the most important thing it's the most urgent thing this needs serious attention However, if something similar happened to someone else that you didn't really know, it's almost like that feeling of, well, that's unfortunate, or I'm sorry to hear that, but, but there really isn't that urgency because they're not connected to you, because you don't know them, because they're not family or relatives or close friends. So it can almost seem like it's not as important because it's happening to someone else, even though it may be the same situation going on. But when terrible things happen, we we need to understand that there are times where we need to go to God on behalf of other people. Even though we may not even know them, we may not be close to them, but we need to pray because there is a need and they need intercession. You see, pleading with God For someone else on their behalf means going before him presenting that need as if it were our own with that same urgency with that same heart of burden not just going to him and saying God may you answer that prayer no as if it were our own need May we go to God with that burden. When we pray for other people, may we pray as if it were our own need, asking God to truly meet that need and help. There are beautiful accounts in the Bible where we read about people who illustrate this point so beautifully. Matthew chapter 8, verses 5 and 6 say when Jesus returned to Capernaum, a Roman officer, that is a centurion, came and pleaded with him, Lord, my young servant lies in bed, paralyzed and in terrible pain. This Roman soldier came on behalf of his servant to plead with the Lord to heal him as if it were his own need. He went on behalf and because of his faith, because of his effort, The Lord healed his servant, and he received that healing. Another story in the Bible, we're told how four men came to a house where Jesus was teaching, carrying a mat uh, with a man who was lame on it. And because of their faith in bringing that man to Jesus for healing, the Lord healed him and enabled him to walk again. Because of them, And because of their efforts, because of their faith, this man was able to walk. In Acts chapter 12, verse 5, it says, But while Peter was in prison, the church prayed very earnestly for him. The church prayed earnestly for him because of their faith, because of their continual prayer and petition to God, he was miraculously released from prison. I'm sure that Rebecca cried out to God on her own. I'm sure that she prayed and hoped and had faith that God would answer her prayer. But notice that the scripture tells us that it was Isaac's prayer that God answered. It wasn't Rebecca's prayer, it was Isaac's prayer that God answered. You see, we have a great responsibility when we bring others' needs before God. When we come before God and when we pray and intercede on behalf of our brothers and sisters in Christ, on behalf of people that we don't even know, we pray asking God to help meet this need by prayer and petition in faith. You see, because of our effort and because of our faith, we can be the reason... That someone receives their answer, that someone receives their breakthrough, that someone receives their healing, or that their need is met because of our prayer and petition to God. Don't give up praying. Your prayer is important. And just because it may not be your need doesn't mean it's not important to pray for. Continue to pray and to continue to press on. So the Lord answered Isaac's prayer for his wife, and she became pregnant. In verse 22, it tells us, but the two children struggled with each other in her womb. So she went to ask the Lord about it. Why is this happening to me, she said. Rebekah questioned God. She asked him, why is this happening to me? Why is this happening to me? Many of us may think it's not okay to question God. But today, I want to tell you that it's okay for us to ask God why something is happening when we don't understand. It's okay for us to go to God and to ask Him when things happen in our life, when things happen in our world, when things are happening around us and we truly don't understand. Now, make it clear that there is a difference in questioning something to understand it and then questioning something because we are doubting one's ability to accomplish or to fulfill whatever need that is. And I'm not talking about us questioning God to doubt him, but to ask him. It's okay for us to ask God hard questions. It's okay for us to go to God and tell him, I don't understand. Why this is going on? God, why is this happening in my life? God, why is this happening to a family member or friend? God, why is this happening in our world? There are so many things that we don't understand. And the truth is that we won't understand most of it. Just because there are so many things that are beyond us or that our minds can't wrap around. And the fact that we live in a sinful and fallen world where there's so much evil around But this doesn't necessarily mean that we'll get an answer every time we go to God, but it does mean that God is still in control and we can look to him and trust him even when we don't understand. God wants us to come and to tell him everything. That means that we can vent to God, that we can complain to God, that we can tell him we don't understand, we can tell him we don't like certain things happening in our life. God wants to be your best friend. He wants to be the one that we go to and ask those hard questions. Ask those hard questions because he can take it, because he understands. We can ask God questions like, why has COVID gone on for so long? Why has so many innocent lives been lost because of this pandemic? Why did that condo building in the U.S. collapse all of a sudden? Why am I going through this struggle in my life? Why haven't I received my healing yet? Why haven't I gotten that breakthrough or answer that I've been waiting for? Why didn't my family member survive that car accident? Why were so many innocent lives or precious children taken and buried in unmarked graves? We just don't understand certain things that happen. But we can come before God, and we can ask him those hard questions. And it doesn't mean that we will understand, because like I said, there are so many things that are beyond us that we won't understand. But it helps us to release it into his hands and to know that despite everything that's going on, in spite of it all, he is still sovereign, and he is still in control. And we can trust him even when we don't understand. It's okay for us to go to God and ask him when we don't understand. So Rebecca did just that. She asked God because she didn't understand why this struggle was happening. She didn't understand what was going on in her womb. But God answered her. He answered her in verse 23, and it says that he says, the sons in your womb will become two nations from the very beginning, the two nations will be rivals. One nation will be stronger than the other, and the older son will serve your younger son. You see, God not only told Rebekah what was happening to her right now, the struggle that was going on within her right now, but he also told her what was going to happen. He also helped her understand the future events that are to come, that what will happen to these two sons that are within you. You see, God is the only one who truly knows our past, our present, and our future. He is the only one who truly knows it all. You see, when God looks at us, he sees the beginning to the end. He sees the full picture, the whole story. He sees it all, and he knows every single thing that has happened, everything that is happening, and everything that will happen in the future. He sees it all, so nothing we do, nothing we say, nothing we think can ever surprise God, because he already knows what's going to happen. The psalmist writes, before a word is on my tongue, you know it completely, O Lord. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. God already knows what's going to happen. He already knows what you're going to do 10 minutes from now, 10 years from now, 50 minutes from now, 100 years. He already knows. We can trust God because he knows. You see, there is a strong desire within many people to know what's going to happen. To know what their future holds, to know what's going to happen in the future. And I believe that's why so many people turn to things like psychics and mediums and and those things alike. Because there's a deep longing and a desire within us to know what's going to happen. If everything is going to be okay, or how did something turn out, or how something will turn out because they want to believe that these people have the ability to be able to tell them. So they go to people like psychics or mediums or or whoever to be able to give them that sense of security to tell them what's going to happen. But understand that no crystal ball, no tarot card, no horoscope can truly tell you what is going to happen. Only God knows. Only he fully knows our past, our present, and our future. And we can trust him. So we can stop putting trust in other people, in other objects and things, because God is the only one who we should be putting our trust in. The psalmist says, some trust in chariots, some in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. We can trust him because he knows. He already knows. Trust him in your present right now. Trust him to help you in all that you are going through and what is happening in your life right now. Trust him to lead and to guide and to direct your future, to know that he will lead you if it is his will in certain areas, and trust him enough to allow him to teach you and to heal you from things of your past we can trust God with our present, with our future, and with our past as well. There are many things that we can learn from the life of Jacob and Esau, and in the weeks to come, we will continue to look at these stories leading up to their um, continued life in weeks to come. But may these truths indeed help us as we strive to live out the life that God has called us to live. Remember that it's okay to get married and accomplish things later in life. And as I've made that point, I want you to understand that that does not mean that you shouldn't want the best for someone. So understand it's okay to want the best, to want to encourage people, to want to help push someone out of their comfort zone. But there's a difference in wanting the best for someone and then putting too much pressure On them. And so I don't want anyone walking away and saying, Oh, don't ask Pastor Lisa when she's having kids, right? But understand there is a difference. And so uh, we need to not put pressure on people to accomplish certain things in their life because of what our expectations are for them. We need to pray for God's will to be done in their life, even if that happens at a later age for them. Good things can still happen. At a later age. The second point sometimes we may need to plead with the Lord for someone else's need. Continue to go to God and prayer. Continue to go to Him, even if the need is not yours, even if you may not even know the person. But let's continue to pray, knowing that it may be our prayer that God answers for them. It may be because of our faith that God moves in their life. It may be because of our efforts that they receive their healing. Whatever it may be, may we continue to plead on behalf of others. It's okay to ask God why something is happening when we don't understand. God wants us to come before him and to trust him, to know that he knows all, even when we don't understand, we can continue to trust him, because he is still in control. And God is the only one who truly knows our past, our present, and our future. He knows everything that we've ever done. He knows everything that's going on in your life right now. And he knows everything that will happen. May we continue to ask him to help us, to teach us, to learn from things that have happened, to guide us, to direct our path, and to know that he is in control. We may not know the future, but God does, and he is already there, and he wants to help us. May we ask him to truly be the center of it all in every aspect of our life. May Jesus truly be the center. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for who you are. We thank you, God, for the different lessons and truths that we can learn from your holy word in so many different areas. And we pray that, God, you would help us. Help us to trust you. Help us to know that you are in control. Help us to trust your timing, even when it may not be ours. Help us to know, oh God, that even though we may not understand certain things, you know it all and you see it all. And so God, we trust you. We trust you and we ask that you would help to give us faith, that you would help us in every aspect of our lives to put you first, to not put our faith in other people or other objects, but in Christ alone where our hope is found. And so God, we thank you for this day. I pray for your blessing upon each one, that you would continue to do in their hearts and in their lives what they need. And truly, Lord, if there are some watching today who have not made a commitment to follow you, who have not dedicated their life to do it, that you would stir up in their hearts and in their lives a desire for you to be the center of it all. We love you, Lord. We bless your name, and we thank you for all that you've done and for all that you will do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you.